Welcome back, folks, to another interesting and informative and entertaining episode of Humidity Matters, where we dive deep into the world of industrial humidity measurement. I'm Bruce McDuffie, your host, and I've been in the humidity measurement business for about 12 years. I've taught humidity seminars and webinars around the globe, helping people just like you make better measurements. My co-host is Steve Santoro. He's got an amazing and incredible 35 years of humidity measurement expertise. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Bruce. Great to be back. Looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, today uh, we're going to talk about part two of the best practices. And But first, I want to let folks know, the if you're new to our podcast, our intent here is to help you, our listeners, make a better measurement of humidity. Better means more accurate and more reliable, because when you make a more accurate and reliable measurement, your process is more efficient and you get a higher quality output. So this, as I mentioned, this is part two of a two-part series, and the last episode in part one, we discussed four of the seven best practices that are guaranteed to make you a more reliable and accurate measurement. That's right. It's guaranteed, folks. In the last episode, um, we covered number one, choose the correct instrument. We've got a few podcasts that, that cover that because that's really, I don't want to say maybe the most important part of best practices, just getting the right instrument. Number two, we want to make sure you follow the manufacturer's instructions and installations uh, for installation, operation, and maintenance. And we have the acronym RTFM. You can listen to our last podcast to see what that means, if you don't know. Uh, and number three, ensure that a traceable calibration with a, within that's current and within the interval is uh, available. And make sure you keep good records of calibration adjustment and repairs. So today, we're going to talk about number five, spot check performance. Number six, know what parameter your sensor is measuring and effects, uh, environmental effects that can, effects that can affect that measurement. And then number seven, avoid the introducing external factors that can affect the measurement. So, Steve, what do you think? We can cover those last three today in this podcast. Sure. Got uh, plenty of time for that, and I'm sure we'll uh, delve into it right now. And maybe you could summarize for our, our listeners, Steve, what, um, why these seven best practices are so important. I mean, can they just do one or two of these and be okay, or do they really have to make sure and focus on all seven? I think the reason we've highlighted these seven is that you do need all of them. Uh, so maybe missing any one of them uh, and overlook it could be a potential problem. And and I think really what we've done is compiled these from years of working with customers on their applications and trying to highlight where a problem could have come from so you can avoid it in the future. So really, this is trying to take lessons learned from from years of experience of what has worked and what hasn't and where it hasn't, uh, where that cause was. So we don't have to repeat those mistakes and get the f measurement right the first time. Yeah, we could probably flip the title around to um, how to avoid these seven common mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so here we go. So best practice number five is spot check performance at regular intervals, 
between regular calibration events using a transfer standard. And this is there's a lot in this one because you've got um, the terms spot check, you've got regular intervals, you've got regular calibration events, transfer standard. Maybe Steve, you could unpack that for our listeners um, so they get a better feel for what does best practice number five really mean. Yeah, sure. So if we think of spot checking, some device could be a portable handheld device, something where you can verify and check what's going on with your permanently installed devices in your process without having to do what you might do at a regular calibration interval, which could be remove it from your process, shut your process down, send the instrument out, reinstall it. But if you can check it from time to time, between those set intervals of calibration, for example, if we're concluding we're going to calibrate and uh, send our units out on an annual basis, if we could check these on a quarterly basis, a lot of times it will help us give more confidence in the measurement, uh, and it may also help to to trigger an alert of when something might be failing uh, before you wait uh, for that interval. So having the ability to go out and and do these types of checks uh, will give you more confidence and potentially also give you an advanced notice of of a failure before it's too late. Um, And this idea of a transfer standard is that you may not have the ability and and the expense and the budget to have a very expensive calibration reference standard. That may be done by the manufacturer or by an independent lab, but uh, frequently you could have some portable device that was calibrated at the manufacturer, and that's the transfer standard that you can bring in the field to transfer that accurate measurement and use that as a reference in the field. It may not be the performance and the accuracy of what a laboratory may have, but as a good transfer standard used and kept exclusively for that purpose, uh, it's a nice way to spot check in the field how good your measurement is and, and how it's holding up between calibration intervals. Got it. So basically stuff happens, right? If you're going to calibrate once a year, Within that period of 12 months, things can happen. Forklift hits the transmitter. I mean, there's who knows what it could be. Yeah, these these unfortunately these are not set it and forget it devices. So <laughs> it's all right. the best instruments still require calibration and checking. And uh, if you wait until it's too late, uh, you know now you may have a bigger problem to fix uh, trying to go back in time, which you can't do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the reason for best practice number five. You have to just, you can't set it and forget it. That sums it up nicely. Best practice number six is know what parameter you're measuring and be aware of the potential effects on the environment around the point of measure. What's your take on that one, Steve? Well, I think this is one we can't emphasize enough. Uh, you know, we think of things like commonly relative humidity, and it is very much dependent upon temperature. In fact, you know, we talk about the three things that affect the accuracy of a good relative humidity measurement are temperature, followed by temperature, and then not to forget <laughs> temperature. Uh, exactly. Hopefully that emphasizes that. Just get the point across there, yeah. If, if we're typing that measurement and we're not looking at what the temperature is and how the temperature is changing, then the relative humidity, which is a function of temperature, uh, could be varying, and you don't know if it's be a process changing or it's as simple as the temperature in the process is changing. Mm-hmm. So whether it's uh, 
moisture being added or subtracted, we have to be looking at that. And, you know, correspondingly, you know, we've talked as well, if we're measuring things like uh, dew point, which are very much pressure dependent. And if we're not also looking at the pressure in the process and seeing what it's doing, then we can't conclude accurately is that pressure uh, that's changing, affecting the dew point, then that's why you're seeing a difference in reading. And again, not necessarily a, a removal or an addition of moisture because the, uh, the those exterior or, or uh, environmental impact uh, are, are changing your conditions and therefore your measurement can't be measured accurately. So we do need to know what we're measuring and what affects them so we know that we're going to have a good, accurate, reliable measurement. Yeah, exact, exactly. And for example, if you understand that temperature variances, that temperature variations do affect the relative humidity measurement, the sensor itself, then you can think about it sort of holistically. Like, okay, I'm going to do a spot check with my portable meter, and I don't want to stand close to the meter because my body's given off heat, and that's going to give you an erroneous reading. Something fundamental like that. That's why you need or to understand. A, you know, a service person comes in in the winter. The portable unit they're checking was in his truck overnight, mm -hmm. and he brings it in, and and that thing was you know sitting at maybe uh, you know thirty degrees, and and if it doesn't acclimate and reach the temperature that he's checking it against, you know one degree different centigrade can be a, a difference of three to six percent different in relative humidity. So unless you've let Maybe the device you're checking with our spot checking transfer standard and the device you want to check it against reach the same temperature, the humidity, you may be creating a, a worse problem. You could make it uh, worse than it was had you not even touched mm -hmm. it. And that's just as an important, just as some comes into our lab, it's the boxes that are open. They sit in a room. They'll sit overnight. We won't even touch them till the next day. We need to make sure that they reach equilibrium with the devices we're checking them against because humidity is so temperature dependent. That's a great example. Yeah. And if you you teach your technicians that these type of the theory, if you will, about relative humidity and sensors, then you'll you'll have a better process in place. Best practice number seven. Avoid introducing external factors that will affect the measurement. So we just talked about understanding what type of things can affect a measurement. If you understand that, then the next piece of that is this best practice number seven is you want to make sure that you take that into account as you go through your process. So have you seen this one play out in the field, Steve, where um, there's been maybe an improper installation or improper process where you do introduce these um, negative, let's say negative environmental factors into the measurement? Yeah, we have. And, and again, some of these are lessons learned from trying to diagnose where a measurement doesn't seem to be reading properly or maybe fluctuates and not sure why. Um, a couple that may come to mind, it was a, a project we had worked on. Um, and it was a, a museum where a humidity temperature sensors were mounted on a wall. However, they mm -hmm. were directly across from a window. So okay. in early in the morning or in the evening when uh, there's no sun, uh, they were reading uh, pretty uh, accurately and properly. But at certain points in the day, as the sun beat directly through the window, 
uh, that wall that it, the, the sun is shining on heats up, the temperature starts to read incorrectly due to the, the effect of the of the sun, and then therefore the humidity is also wrong. And it's sometimes it's it's not it's just as simple as nobody thinking through that process of where the sensor should be and what could be affecting it. And, uh, another common one we we sometimes come across uh, or do come across is outdoor. Uh, relative humidity and temperature measurement. So there are devices that have ratings, uh, for example, NEMA 4, that design and can get wet and washed down. And therefore, people think, okay, if I can uh, use it in a space that could be wet or washed down, then it, it would survive outside and I can put it outdoors. And it, it's even specified to cover maybe the operating range of what an outdoor uh, sensor could be covering the most extreme hot and cold. But if I just put that unit on the outside of a building, yes, it will survive the environment. However, again, the sun hits that uh, device. The probe is not shielded from the effects of this. Therefore, the temperature rises dramatically. The temperature is off. Therefore, the humidity will also be off. And although the device may not fail in the in the field, it will survive the conditions of, of the watt and washdown or snow or rain, and it'll survive the extreme temperatures that uh, an outdoor sensor could be subjected to. It's just not going to read properly because you haven't thought about the impact of what solar radiation and snow and rain will do to an outdoor sensor. And that's why understanding the, the sensor, best practice number six, and actually making sure you do not introduce, we'll talk about temperature because most of these are relative humidity, like could be a lot of different things. The sun shining on the transmitter or the sensor is a classic mistake. I don't know if we see it all the time, but we see it more often than we should. Installing it near the exhaust vent of, of a system. Uh, so hot air being exhausted from the building, outdoors now all of a sudden the sensor was put too close to that so it's not reading the true ambient outside average conditions yeah. it's being affected by air that's being exhausted uh, purposely pulling warm air out of a building and you can take it even further if it's set up um, connected to an alarm system you're probably going to get alarms all the time and pretty soon people ignore the alarms that's a kind of a side effect <laughs> Or, you know, if it's a device controlling, say, the humidity in a space, if it thinks as the sun's shining on it, the the instrument says, well, this is really dry. Give me more humidity. Humidify this room. It's going to go way over where it should be. Exactly. Okay. Those are our the best practices. And just to recap, number five was check the performance. So spot check, regular intervals, and using at a calibrated transfer standard. Number six, know what you're measuring and how the environment can affect it. And that's where we have most important thing to think about with relative humidity, temperature, temperature, and temperature. And then number seven, avoid introducing the external factors like we just went over, things that will affect your measurement and make your life miserable <laughs> maybe not miserable but not as easy as it could be could make your job a little miserable <laughs> yeah that's true i'll put it's, it in jeopardy it depending on what the application absolutely so steve you have a, a summary of of anything well again i think you know these are lessons learned and and the, the goal here is you know those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And that's what we're trying to do. I think is help people to 
avoid those mistakes that that we've come across and and maybe found the root cause. Um, and when we look at things like accuracy specs of of, of instrumentation, generally that's in a perfect environment and, mm-hmm. and it's in an ideal situation because not every set of conditions can be you know uh, documented, for example, in a in a product specification. So it, it's not just the product, but again, all of these things we talked about, where it's installed, how it's installed, how it's maintained, the external factors, uh, all of those can get you to that that measurement that the product is specified to be able to deliver. But sometimes, you you know, you've got to do some of your homework to, to make that measurement be as best as possible. You might get a, a really high quality tight spec, like plus or minus 0.8% RH and install it. And then if you don't follow these best practices, it's it's no it, the instrument may be no better than uh, something you get down at the local uh, I don't know Home Depot or something. Yeah, it might be better off guessing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, on that note, Steve, that's a wrap. And once again, thanks for sharing those stories and your expertise with our listeners. Hopefully, it helps everybody make a better measurement of humidity. Thanks, Bruce. Always enjoy it. We'll see you on the next one. And uh, speaking of the next one, we are going to shift over from actual the measurement practice to some applications. And in this next episode, we're going to talk about one that we see quite a bit um, where it's it's data centers. And in data centers, the measurements uh, can really affect the efficiency of usually energy. And Steve's got a lot of great experience on data centers, and uh, we'll look forward to discussing measuring relative humidity, maybe measuring some temperature and installations in data centers. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you on the next one. And don't forget, when it comes to product quality and process efficiency, humidity measurement does matter.